conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I've got nothing in common with a hammerhead because I always go in for the kill. Just because I'm woke doesn't mean I'm not tired of your shit. <gasps> oh. So good. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. I have to tell you, I'm like geeking out with this guest. Episode 137, machinery for my audio equipment falling to the floor because I am just shook about having back on the people's people's couch none other than Evan Ross Katz, writer, editor, creator of a magical podcast project coming out in the (laughs) new year. I am so thrilled to have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. I first off geek out for your social media. And when we, when I had you last on, I don't remember when that was yesterday, an hour ago. Yeah. Um, I was so excited because it's fun for me, you know, like 137 apps in I like having new voices on the pod meaning new voices to the pod on the pod and you have such strong feelings about housewives and such a unique voice so I am so thrilled you're back thank you and I just want to tell you oh my god are we just blowing each other (laughs) no but like I'm just I'm I similarly I listen to a lot of housewives podcasts obvi and I really feel like you're Commentary is a lot more elevated than some of the others, not to name names. Okay. Thank you for that so much. Thanks so much. I need to... Okay. Here's the problem, Evan Ross Katz, is I just got back from a trip to Mexico. I went to San Miguel de Allende, had the time of my life. It is fucking magical there. It is literally um, a Europe-Mexico Mexico fun fusion it's so magical. You have to take two flights and it's like a between 90 minutes to three hour drive, depending on which airport you land in. And it was fucking amazing. There are two things that happened in, Me- <laughs> in Mexico that are both both housewife related. And I was there with my friend Greg. Shout out to Greg, um, who doesn't want to be tagged in anything relating to this. Um, no tagging. No tagging. So we're just going to dive in. OK. Yeah. Night 
one-ish, maybe. I was there for essentially a week. I was in the middle of enjoying a delightful vegan Mexico feast in the middle of talking to Greg. We were just shooting the shit. In the middle of talking, we were supposed to go to a different restaurant. Then I was going to sit at a different direction of the table. And then I was like, no, I want to sit this way and not that way. And because life is what it is, I look up mid-sentence shooting the shit with Greg and say, like, I'm in the middle of like, da 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 Dr. Deb. And Dr. Deb walks by the window at the exact moment. And I say, and the window's open. And I was like, Dr. Deb. And she looks in. She's like, hi. I'm like, Dr. Deb, come inside right now. I need a photo with you. And she's like, okay. So she and I thought it was like her like younger boyfriend, but her husband, who is very attractive and looks at least 25 years younger than he actually is, because I definitely asked him his age, walk in. And I'm like, oh my God, Dr. Jeb, this is so crazy. And I told her about Andy's girls. And I was like, I just saw, I just saw Bronwyn and Sean at BravoCon and had some, a couple minutes with both of them, like off panels or whatever. And she was like, oh, okay. But I didn't go in because you know, they're no, they're not speaking right now. And, but I, and I wanted to be respectful of that. So, um, so I was like, Dr. Jeb, blah, 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 shooting the shit. And I was like, Dr. Jeb, I need a photo. My friend Greg doesn't watch Orange County. He watches, he only watches New York. Um, so he was... Amen. So he was like, what the fuck is happening? But because Dr. Deb looks the way she looks, he was like in it to win it. So we have this experience with Dr. Deb. Greg spends the rest of the night talking about how insane it was that I was mid-sentence and then just said like something went on, like a light went on in my face and head. And I was just like, Dr. Deb, like come inside just immediately. I got to go for the opportunity. Life is short. So we have the the rest of the night talking about Dr. Deb. The next day we have a private tasting at the Casa Dragones residence, which is one of the most expensive tequilas in the world and something I could never afford to buy a bottle of. Shout out to Casa Dragones. Please slide into my DMs. And we had this like magical thing because I'm an event producer. So I plan the narrative of a trip itinerary. So I, um, I'm just looking at how long I'm talking. So I roll into Casa Dragones ready for the experience of a lifetime because it's like a private tasting in their residence bougie af like also super cool and the tequila is fucking amazing so i'm taking a photo of the residence and there's gonna be like 10 people with my friend greg and i'm taking a photo of the entryway door opens and i say greg dr deb (laughs) so (laughs) dr deb rolls in and she looks at us and like the look is like welcoming but also like what the fuck are you doing here and it turns out that there is a 50th birthday party for some Austin-based heiress who's a burner who invited 200 people who have all flown in from all areas of the world, but mostly Austin, to have this birthday party at some mega bajillion dollar villa in the middle of town. And Dr. Deb Deb is there for that. And Dr. Deb rolls in and it's like, maybe they're are 10 of us total or 12 of us total. Greg and I are the only non-burners. We're also the only ones without like the burning man costume, which is people putting on the outfit to show that they're cool and they're fabulous. But it's like very specific. You know how like every festival has a look. This is not Coachella. This is not anything else. This is like the burning man, like dirty, arty, cool. Life is just a fire. Everybody jump in. It's generous of you to say cool. Thank you. Cool with a K. Um, like Kelly Dodd's hat. So I am in for the ride of a night because listen, I live in New York city. Um, part of admission here is, you know, hating life, but 
Um, I'm from New England. I have Rhode Island manners. So everyone is a please and thank you. You go out of your way. You will sacrifice your own well-being to make somebody else comfortable. That's just the way we roll. And I realized very quickly that all of these people with their fun, cool, magical costumes are horrible people. They were so lightly, passive-aggressively rude to the woman who was being so wonderful and so respect because there's nothing you can do she's like working and she's doing this crazy toast and they just terrible manners and at one point so the the one of the people at Casa Dragones was like sit at the bar because you'll get a great view and I was like I don't want to because Dr. Deb was right there and I was like I need I need a little bit of space so like I had my purse down she put hers on top of mine without I know that like sounds dumb at one point she slid her glass to the woman doing the tasting and the woman looked at her and was like oh would you like more and she said why do you think I have my glass here. Like it was that kind of obnoxious, but doing it in a very light touch way that I found fascinating, but she couldn't have been nicer to me. And she's like, there's a reason that we met. And I was like, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I got a little drunk every night. I was just like completely trashed and, but like lightly, Um, that's what fries are for. So we have this night. It's very random and special. I, of course, loving a story, love every moment of it. And then I think, you know, their party is tomorrow night. We've heard about it. This is where the story ends. Next day, we see Dr. Deb on the street, and Greg and I are both like, turn right, like hard right. Like, we can't do this again. Like, she, it was, she's such a character. It's great, but we need to stop. Greg, who lives in San Miguel, he spends like a couple months living there every year, um, texts me one day while he's like working and I'm out like having a day Sauvignon Blanc, and he goes, Sarah. And I think it's just nothing. And I'm like, what's up? Yes, sir. And he texts me a screenshot of a like expat Facebook group that he's in where people tell each other, like, here's the safe transportation thing to use. Here's, you know, because we're, you know, got to be careful. And so someone had posted to that Facebook group a security camera, two security camera photos and a message that says, we need your help. This lady and her husband came today at 6 p.m. to my mother's store and left without paying for a total of 5,000 pesos. The store was packed and she got confused. And a minute later, she found out they left without paying. They were nowhere to be found. If anyone knows them, please let me know. And it is this photo. And this is why it's so important to have a bur- And guys, I'll put this maybe on social, except I'm 100% about to get sued. Um, and by sued, I just mean like dragged lightly. Um, so it's a photo of Dr. Deb and somebody else with a Burning Man costume on and they are in a store and they are holding merchandise and it is a security camera photo so I say to Greg oh my god like Dr. Deb fugitive from justice so some people recognize her from Housewives we happen to know where they're staying because the very like before we went to vegan, the very, very first stop we did was to this very fancy, like the fanciest hotel in San Miguel called the, called the Rosewood. And I saw somebody walking down the stairs and I only saw the back of their head for a second. And I said, oh my God, that's Betsy Johnson. And it turned out as we discovered a couple years later, a couple hours later that it was Dr. Deb. So we know where she's staying. Other people recognize her. They slide into the DMs of this like poor woman's um, Facebook to be like, we know who it is, Dr. Deb. And then I want to say the next day, this woman reaches out to the group and says, thank you so much to everyone who helped us. They were located today and they returned every item, which isn't a great indicator 
but I will say allegedly this happened, except I don't know. It definitely did, but allegedly it definitely did. And um, some people posted in response to her and said, like, that's not enough. Like, this is ridiculous. And then there was a police camera video of like the police entering something but I think it was like them entering the store it doesn't like show anything definitively and everyone's speaking Spanish and je parle français so like I'm of no help but anyway so that was the Dr. Deb experience which makes me understand why Gina for example doesn't stand for Bronwyn because she feels like Bronwyn's a little bit prissy and even though Bronwyn's mom didn't like you know, there was this, like, she was raised by her grandparents, whatever the fuck happened. I could understand them having sort of expectations. And it also makes sense to me that Bronwyn and her mom aren't speaking. Because I could see that based on the behavior that I saw, plus magnified by your daughter being on a reality show, and maybe mommy wants to be on one too, I would think that would add tension to an already difficult relationship yeah so that happened so like literally 65 percent of the trip was us just talking about dr deb and then i am just like shooting the shit at like some vegan a different vegan place in san miguel god the food was so good and i get a tweet um from juicy scoop host heather mcdonald that says Hey, where are you based? Like, I'd love for you to come on. I'd love to have you on my show, Juicy Scoop. Are you in LA? Now, on the BravoCon recap episode of Andy's Girls, Tracy and I, beloved Tracy, and I were talking about the producers panel, which was a panel that we both went to, sat together with Pet Shop Boy, and Jill Zarin attended, even though technically, I guess, like Bravo Talent weren't supposed to attend panels. And she's bigger than talent. She's bigger than talent. She is a star. And um, so it was like slightly, it was great. Dive, stand, give her every apple. Um, in lieu of a menorah, give her eight apples. Happy yeah. holidays. So, but I didn't know like how that was going to go. And I also feel like we're getting a delivery. I think it's Jill. And I also, <laughs> I feel she, she knew she heard us and she has arrived. And, and um, there we go. And um, close your eyes and click three times. Um, so the panel was like a little different in the sense that because she was there, it was great. There was definitely an energy, but you know, there was a New York producer on stage who had escorted Kelly back from Scary Island. I think he would have been maybe a little bit more forthright about stuff. So there's a question and answer thing. I'm drunk. I ask a question, Mazel. Um, and they're running low on time. And who is in line but Heather McDonald, who had attended the event because I guess Jill gave her a comp or whatever. doesn't matter. So Heather was like a couple fans back. And when they were like, we only have one or two more questions, she sort of announced herself and cut in front of the fans in order to ask a question, which wasn't great because my thinking is like, if I'm going to ask a question, I'm doing it as a fan. I'm not going to be like, blah, blah, blah. And I also feel like if you're not going to get called, you're not going to get called. Like, these are 
fans who are attending the event because they don't have a platform necessarily aside from social media in which to ask these people questions. And so Tracy and I immediately are like, no, 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 no. Well, she's cutting in front of line and, and loudly saying like, that's not okay to cut in front of fans. She disregards it. Some juicy scoopers in the audience disregard it too. And they're like, let her ask a question. And of course her question is, when is Jill going to get back on New York? Which felt so obviously manufactured and strategized and done really poorly. So like, of course that makes sense. Um, you know, know your audience. So the, and the producer's awkward and it's a very strange experience because Jill's there. You're asking this question. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement. Um, and so that kind of happened. So we talk about it on the pod. Then I get a tweet from, uh, the juicy scooper herself that says, you know, I'd love to have you on my show. Juicy scoop. Are you in LA? So I immediately am like the timing of this, obviously she's heard about what I said, but also what we said wasn't critical of her personally. It was critical of her decision and a just weird moment of, of uh, during what was a completely heavenly experience. So I, of course, respond back and I'm like, would love to, because I know that we're out, something is about to happen and I am all in. So I say, you know, I'm based in New York, would love to be on the show, blah, blah, blah. She, a couple hours later, responds back and says, ouch, I just looked at my email and a juicy scooper sent me a portion of your podcast where you talked about how my appearance at BravoCon made you angry, upset, and annoyed. I'm sorry you felt that way. I had a great time at BravoCon. In the future, female podcast hosts should support each other. Hence why I asked you to be on my show. Best of luck in your career. I read that in a restaurant in Mexico and screamed so loudly that I had to apologize. Female podcast hosts should support one another. She <clears throat> did not know that she was like giving me a singer stinger. Yeah. I don't think she was doing that to be funny. I think she was dead serious. Yeah. And I also felt like. Put them on a t-shirt. Put, I mean, amen. <laughs> I actually 100% will. Guys, look for that in Tee Public in about an hour. Um, I felt like, what? A. B, do you really have not an ounce of self reflection in your body be see I wasn't critiquing you personally I was talking about the fact that if you have a platform use that don't and it was like a very scripted moment in what was a very organic during what was a very organic real funny high energy panel and it just was like wait a second so you invited me onto your show so that you could surprise me and I guess yourself with this like reveal a couple hours later how it was as well strategized as that moment in the panel so I loved every second of it so I of course responded back and said I'm not sure what you're referring to which is very literal and honest because I don't remember ever saying angry upset and annoyed at her personally I said I'm not sure what you're referring to but I definitely appreciate the last few hours of support best wishes with your career as well and thanks for listening are you familiar with the interview that Tara Reid and Jenny McCarthy did a few years that ago? That is exactly what it felt like to me. Like, best of luck with your, like, knees. Or, tell something me. About, something about tits. Uh, best of luck with your, like, <laughs> square tits or something. Tits. And then, like, it's best something. of luck with, like, Sharknado 18. Yeah. Where it is so dry. If anyone doesn't know this clip, you it's on YouTube. Press pause yeah. and watch it right now. And I just felt like, so in Mexico, I was still, it's like, there's no escape. I was overwhelmed with the present that Heather McDonald gave me just in time for Hanukkah and the gift that kept giving that was Dr. Deb 
Yeah. In every way. Um, it was wild to me. It felt wild. I'm like, why? I wanted to be to like respond back and be like, we can be better than this. Like I can give you pointers. I am not passive aggressive, but I understand a story arc. And this is not real. This is as real as some of the real housewives that we're going to talk about. It was fascinating to me. But Heather McDonald, if you're listening or more realistically reading a message <laughs> someone will have posted on your Facebook group, I do think that female podcasts should support each other. I also think that if a female podcast behaves in a public forum in a way that should be critiqued, isn't that what my show is here to do? I mean, and hers as well. I don't know. I, I don't listen to Juicy Scoop. I've listened to one episode. It was the one with Kelly Dodd, which I thought was extremely entertaining. And it was like Kelly Dodd when she first joined the show. It was a definite wild ride. But um, yeah, that was my experience. I don't know what else to say to it, except that it was if hilarious. So I guess I'm still available, albeit based in New York. And, you know, female podcast hosts should support each other. Yeah, and best of luck. Best of luck. So I am best of luck in my career. Best of luck in hers. Listen, we have things in common. I don't watch Chelsea Handler. Neither does she. Mm. That's at least a big piece. Um, I don't have a sister to talk about on a podcast, but I'm sure if I did, I would have my own serial series. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess we have different like political views, but that should never stop a conversation from happening. Agreed. And I think... I really think she made a lot of strong points and I'm here for it. So I don't know. I guess I am a juicy scooper. I have to listen to episodes now. Is that my punishment? I don't know. You might have to live with that reality. I might have to. Li- I feel like I did get juicy scooped. So shout out to Heather because I did get scooped and it was as juicy as the oranges that we're going to discuss from Orange County. So caduce. Caduce. Okay, that was me taking over essentially this um, episode to just tell you a little story story from Mexico. And also, it was important. And also, you know, uh, Mexico was great. So everybody go. Um, I love Mexico. I wonder how Heather McDonald feels about Mexico. I'd love to hear her thoughts. I think that would be a great special episode in and of itself. That'd be wonderful. I'm sure that they are all really positive opinions that have nothing in common with anything said on Dallas this week. And so I appreciate, I would love to see her Yelp review of the country, the people. (laughs) Anyway, on that note, let's talk about Housewives. Let's. Anything happen? I don't know. Four episodes, shit went down on Watch What Happens, NeNe, Burst in Flames. I don't even know where to begin. Did you, so what are your thoughts on this whole thing that happened with Lenithia Leakes and Andrew Cohen? He had a clip, uh, there was a clip on Watch What Happens where he says something along the lines of like, an eagle-eyed viewer showed us this. Yeah. You know, she had a she wore a dress on something and then on something else. Yeah, and she was repeated an outfit. She repeated an outfit, and then Eva was like, "Oh, this is super shady." And Andy was like, almost looking into the camera and being like, "Is this shady?" And I couldn't tell. Yeah. What so are your then, thoughts? Well, then somebody tweeted at Andy calling it shady, and he responded with, "I think it was a Nini gif or something." Uh oh. Um one of her gifts and then she tweeted and then she Instagram and then she commented on several of the Instagram and was like, he's not, I'm not his favorite. I know too much. This yeah. isn't funny. She um, was pissed. It was very Shannon. Um, you will all know the truth. Um, 
that was like the impression that I got from it. Uh, it's one of those situations. And actually, my opinion on this was better formulated by a lot of people's comments. Okay. Uh, which was just, this is like kind of classic Lenithia, which is like, it's just not that serious. And like Nini takes it to a place. And it's just like, if this behavior was out of the course of sort of the typical watch what happens live commentary. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like there's been several times where guests on the show will get angry about the poll, like the Mm -hmm. polling. And don't get me wrong. I actually find the polling quite often problematic, but that is, that is how the show works. It's not unusual. So it was not as though Andy was doing something that was like out of step with how he usually you know, he would call any of the women out for doing this. Um, should he have done it? It's, I, again, I'm going to go. It's just not that serious. Like, and if anything, if Nini wanted to win this situation, which she easily could have, it would have just been like, yeah, bitch, I repeat my outfits. And what? Or a picture of her wearing the dress and saying like three times the charm. Exactly. Like there's a way to do it where you're saying, it's and this so is good. the whole thing with responses and with strategy, you know? There's a way to do it where you can be shady but not get additional critique because you're going in too hard. Yeah. And I think she has the right to be a little pissed in the sense that being a housewife is a significant investment. You have to spend so much money. And, you know, I think people were comparing her to Kate Middleton in the sense of like Kate repeats outfits. And it's like, yeah. And the reason I know, and the reason that Kate does it, or maybe Michelle Obama has does it, does it is they're doing it for a reason to show that they aren't, um, being flippant with income, you know, like they're doing it for a reason, sort of almost a political stance to be like, it's okay to do this. I also don't, it's not that I have too much money where I never have to, they're doing it for a reason. And, Andy's joke on Watch What Happens wasn't going into that narrative, but I think that because Nini is probably feeling a little bit sensitive, like the last couple seasons, and vulnerable because she's all she's a hard right in that cast photo. She is nowhere near P money in the middle. Um, She is taking everything to the next level. I mean. You know, she's the OG of the ATL, and I think she feels like she needs to be treated to a higher standard. And Nini doesn't exactly have the greatest sense of humor, especially about herself. Yeah, no, she doesn't. And I think that the sort of effort to blast her boss on social media is like never the move. And if she was offended, it's like, of course, anyone has the right to be offended by what they're offended by. But then you have his number, text him and say, I didn't like that you said that. Or I think Nini has the power to even be like, can I call in tomorrow night? Because I have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make it a funny thing. I think that Nini's effort to lean into, like Nini sees that we all love the sort of like the shady Nini of mm-hmm. the early years mm-hmm. and her effort to sort of like perfect that has actually been her downfall to me, which is like this thing of like when housewives start to self-reference. And I feel like Nini is someone who the authenticity that we loved about her early on became performative and then we stopped loving it. And so for the last several years, I think ever since she's come back to the show, it's been like this effort to reclaim the glory days. And I think that that wears on her that the love that so many of us had for her early on I wouldn't even say that it like has waned. It's just kind of like been on ice. Um, and I think this sort of outburst is sort of, it It seems very desperate. 
who else do you think sometimes continues or not sometimes but who do you all think in the history of their journey on the housewife sort of curdles where it's like they are performing as themselves so much I mean there's one name that comes to mind who comes to mind for me I don't know if it's the same as you is Dorinda I was thinking Dorinda I was also thinking Erica Jane yeah Erica but I also feel like yeah, I, I feel like Erica's had less of a trajectory, though, as Erica was, like, never super authentic to that's begin true. with. No, that's true. With Dorinda, I feel like, I re- like, those early seasons, especially, like, season seven and eight with Dorinda, she was so, like, such a good listener, a really good friend, very compassionate, didn't want to have arguments, and I feel like the Dorinda of now, um, I just, like, season 10 in particular... Um, it was just so, maybe I'm thinking of 10 or 11. I get them confused now, but it's like the one where her and Lou were, no, it was 10. Um, and it led led into 11, but like the idea of like her and Lou, it's like, we just want to see you guys. This is a real friendship. We just want to see you get on course. And the idea that like Dorinda actively like wanted to continue this fight was like, so not in line with the Dorinda that we knew early on who would have like, who loves Lou and who who loves her friend and would have wanted to make this work. So, and even now like with Dorinda's bizarre social media presence, it all just feels like everything got to her. What do you think is especially bizarre about it? Well, her sponsored or secretly sponsored posts with us weekly, um, where she puts the bitly to the link in the bio to the us weekly page that she's getting a hundred dollars to post where she says I'm getting married and it's a link to an us weekly story about Tinsley getting married and her potentially officiating the wedding. Um, and that's something that I've definitely seen with Teresa yeah. and also obviously Brandy Glanville's Twitter is Tamara. like 97% sponsored and Tamara too. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, I, I feel like that's, I feel like Dorinda is a great example of, Oh my God, Jill's back. She's back. Uh, I feel like the Dorinda that we know and love doesn't live here anymore. And do you think that she can ever return to that? Or do you think it's too late when you, once you cross over into celebrity? I hope I'm, I'm optimistic. I think um, another example of this happening, but in a, in a fun way <laughs> uh, is Alex during season four of Roni because Alex, like it got to her head, but that actually made her like, all like more powerful in a, in a, cause like the whole narrative for Alex in season four is like, I finally found my voice. And you know, how, like, a lot of housewives have that journey. Like that becomes like, they're like this season. I'm like, finally, like I'm being me, <laughs> but Alex had that in season four. And I, that worked for her. Cause it just made the kookiness even more kooky. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of Dorinda, what you loved about her was her sort of like being, um, a peacekeeper and being sort of like, um, you kind of just, there was, she was so lovable. Um, Is there a way in which that also works with Sonia's journey? Because she did start off, I mean, the whole thing with Scary Islands, like, oh my God, and you ruined her manicure and whatever. Like there was, she had so many moments that seemed genuine, even if they were like super funny. And then she crossed over. We're going to talk about season four into the whole, like I'm Ramona Singer's personal bodyguard. Yeah. You do not fuck pecking with order. Right. Pecking order with Cindy. Like you do not fuck with, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. you know who she is. You have her Pinot Grigio or you don't invite her. Like this very strange thing where she went from being friends with Ramona to being like Ramona's publicist manager. And then, putting herself to a strange level in com- 
direct comparison to Cindy that didn't necessarily pay off for her. Yeah. Sonia's had like such an interesting journey um, because it's very up and down and up and down and up and down. It's less linear than a lot of the other Mm -hmm. um, women, but it is really interesting what you're pointing out, which is like the Sonia of season three is such an anomaly because like she's extremely lucid she's extremely sensible um i i might have referenced this last time i was here where there's that moment in the confessional in season three um when sonia's in the, the iconic pink look like the pink flower look and she's talking about her divorce for the first time <gasps> and she says you know you think your life is going one way oh, no. and then this thing happens to you and you never quite move move on and it's like such a sympathetic moment for Sonia of her being vulnerable. Whereas every other time that she mentions the husband, ex-husband and all that every time afterwards, it's kind of like, okay, Sonia, you got to move on in that moment. Though you are, excuse me, I should say I received it very differently than I have any other time. She talks about the divorce. Um, But yeah, Sonia is an interesting character. She started doing this thing in season four, which would be like, which continues now, which is like, she starts saying things that don't make any sense. And then the other person's like, you're not making any sense. And she like keeps going. Um, and it's, it never reads as performative, but Sonia's tough. She also rewrites history. Like this whole thing of, I met my husband cause I was a restaurateur and it's like, you ask people ask her point blank or Andy did during a reunion. How do you guys met? How did you guys meet? And she's like, Oh, I was working in PR or something for a restaurant. She was, According to the New York Social Diary at the time, yeah. she was a hostess at yeah. that restaurant. And there is nothing Living wrong that, yeah. with that. And that actually makes it so much more interesting that it wasn't like she was a high-powered working girl and like in the know and was, you know, gallivanting with all these people. The fact that she was working at the restaurant and met this man who turns out was a bajillionaire and they fell in love and got married and whatever and then it got taken away. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a much more interesting story that I can feel something for than the way that she's rewriting this stuff. I mean, the Nigerian football team of it all, she has, she makes choices like so many of, the, of these women do to, to feel either at the level of their colleagues who may have had successful fashion yeah. careers like Heather and, you know, Bethany was skinny girl. And she does it in such a way that is so poorly strategized. I mean, it's great for us, but it also opens the door to like, what else are you going to create? Yeah. You know, I will say Sonia is uniquely good at being uh, a both sides are person. Yes. Particularly in season four, when that's the big season in which uh, Luann and Ramona really go at one another throughout mm-hmm. the season. And Sonia's really good at like being friends with both of them, but also kind of being like, no, Ramona, you do that thing that Luann's calling out and vice versa. And uh, she was very masterful at sort of being friends with everyone minus Cindy. I have to say, oh my God, I have, rest in peace. I got a um, 14 karat gold or something bikini wax at oh, Cindy's. Wow. Yeah, she invited me. She said to come back for a steam. And I said, I'm going to think about that and wow. I will get right back to you. Wow. Cindy, uh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on Cindy. Just kidding. Um but Cindy is definitely a very fascinating figure in her like disdain for all of the women. <laughs> Which I actually really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she was a one and doneer, but when you watch season four back, she had some solid moments. Yeah. And it was good that she was there because the friction with her, specifically her and Sonia and her and Sonia and Ramona, Ramonia was great. Yeah, definitely. 
it was definitely a lot realer than like Aviva's trajectory on the show. Another person yeah. who she didn't even have to, you know, pretend that she was something genuine and then have it go off the beaten path because she started off yeah. off the beaten path and yeah. then just went a hard left. Yeah. And rewatching season four, which I just finished, I think my and thinking about sort of because things are really dark right now. Um, I mean, I'm obviously still recovering from the Bethany news, but also now that we have the Tinsley exit, it's like just we're like we're losing we're losing our fighters. And I keep thinking after watching season four again, it's like everyone's always like bring Jill back. But then I'm like, Alex McCord (laughs) is like. I literally, if I were Bravo, I'd be like, we will, we will charter you a ship from Australia. We will bring you back. We will put you up in Brooklyn. Like they should be doing whatever they can to get that star back on the show. You think bring back Alex as opposed to bring back Heather? I'm fine. Fine. Bring back Heather. But like Alex is uniquely, she has something that very few others have, which was that like. Alex can be kooky and she can be extremely salient. Like, the, especially like in those moments in season three when her and Bethany are really connecting. Like, yeah. Alex can be a really good friend. Yeah. Alex can be super lucid. Yeah. Alex can be just, she's, and also Alex is super loyal. Mm-hmm. So, like, in season four, like, she's extremely loyal to Ramona, which makes it fun when all of the women are going after Ramona. Cause, cause Sonia being there is like, Sonia on your side is not really like a great soldier, mm-hmm. but like, Alex is a soldier. Oh my God. And like, I just, I live for Alex. Also, like, her comeback in the season four reunion like Alex claps back like I, I feel really strongly oh my god hosted um, by Simon no but they could really use her energy because if Alex came back and was still in line with Ramona and went up against Lou and Dorinda like Alex versus Dorinda oh my god do you remember Ooh, they chills. Were, weren't they at like fashions night out or something and Bethany had said to her like it's not a big deal but like I don't think I can like resolve stuff with Jill but like NBD and Alex is like oh should I tell her and she's like whatever and then Alex takes it upon herself to be like her own DHL where she's like I have a special delivery everybody focus the message the message and it was this huge performative act and Jill's recoiling yeah fascinating but see it's interesting like performative yes but like effectively performative like yeah performative but it I didn't feel like it's like it's weird like it's yes, obviously she like was performing, but I also like I didn't receive it in the way that when other housewives perform, I'm so like when Tamara does this whole season of acting, I'm very like attuned to what she's doing and so put off by it. Alex's version of acting because she's such a esteemed actress, um, <laughs> it, it lands. Supermodel, yeah. supermodel, yeah. Um, and it also feels different in the sense that there's a difference between performing in a way for the sake of the show Mm -hmm. and creating drama and Alex, who's just making like bad communication choices, but that's still real to her. Like she's blotchy for a reason because on the, she gets so upset, but doesn't necessarily know how to communicate it in the moment, or she doesn't communicate in the moment that it internalized is internalizes inside of her body into like red marks on her chest and neck. And so incredible, magical. But yeah, I, I, I really do feel like, because we do need to have a big conversation about how to fix this show. And obviously, like, I'm down for Heather. Um, but I really, I'm obviously, like, I'm down for Kelly. But I'm really, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm down for Jill full time. I can't do friend of. I'm down for full time. But I want Alex. 
Well, this whole Tinsley thing is confusing to me. Messy. First off, mazel to Tinsley. For now. For now. Um, But if she gets... No, someone was saying this earlier. I think it was bitch sesh. But if she gets the baby, like... That's for life. And like, that's that's what I want for her. Because I know she wants to be a mother. She's going to be a great mother. Like, I want that for her. Scott can come or go. And not to compare this to Bethany's journey, but Bethany really wanted what? to be a mother more than she wanted to be a wife. Yeah. And I think that... Making grilled cheeses with Bryn in the Hamptons. Yeah. And I think that Tinsley... The interesting thing with Tinsley to me is obviously such a huge part of her life has been celebrity being famous she created the kind of like page six socialite of it all really and she was truly a celebrity on like an a plus plus level um inside of that world but I think that she has and has loved being on housewives because it's returned her to having a positive light or or a real one that's not like you know a head uh uh um shot of her you know in the clink um but I think that for Tinsley, a huge part of her life has been in relation to Topper. And it has been as a wife. And it has been, you know, she has an idea of marriage as being a huge goal for her. Like when someone says, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know that she's ever responded in the way of like saying, I want to be a spouse. But I do think a huge part of her life, I mean, the celebrity happened because she was a Mortimer. It wasn't just because she was curling her hair every time she went to a fashion show. She knew that it would create a brand. I mean, so when she looks at Scott, she is someone who does seem desperate. And I don't mean that as a critique, but to return to that place where she's in a relationship and a committed relationship. And her idea of commitment includes marriage as a top priority, which is probably why she and Scott have broken up several times because he hasn't seemed willing to, sacrifice anything and she seems overwhelming willing to make that sacrifice including putting up with someone who hasn't necessarily seemed like a guy who deserves the level of commitment that she's been like overwilling to give and so if the rumors are true and he gave her an ultimatum that she needed to quit the show in order to like marry him it doesn't seem abnormal to me that she would so readily acquiesce. She has responded to what Lou said at a performance of Countess and Friends and said, you know, I didn't quit the show, which is what Lou said publicly. She's like, I didn't stop filming. I have taken time to celebrate my engagement, but I'll be back to film the show. But it doesn't seem like if she's someone who's moving to Chicago full time, that being a housewife of New York is going to be realistic unless you believe what Bethany said, which was like you lived in Florida the full time that you were filming your first season. So who the fuck t- is to say? You're like, it's not, I don't think it's all Scott's fault. I think that, I don't think it's all Scott's fault. I don't think he deserves her. And it's sad to me if there was any ounce of an ultimatum that she would take that because I think that part of loving someone is like loving what they love and she does love the spotlight but she also loves being a wife and she's in a difficult spot you know I don't know but does Tinsley love herself I think that's the question I think she lo- I think her version of herself includes being a wife I yeah think she yeah, loves yeah. herself <clears throat> Mrs. Tinsley Mortimer yeah. ho- coupon cabin like I think like a big question and I got a really interesting response to this when I put a poll up about it was like 
is Tinsley Mortimer a good housewife? Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are super divided on that. They are. And you and so let's say she's not coming this season full time. So let's say like that. Or we, she quits as a part of her arc. Yeah. So let's say that we got three full seasons of her, 9, mm-hmm. 10, 11. That's really rare. It's rare to have a three. So we have Bethany's a three season, but came back. But like, it's rare to have three. Cause usually we like, we'll do one yeah, or we'll do like a chunk, but it's mm-hmm. rare. It's like, or you have like the Aviva where you have two. It's like, I don't right. know. I feel like three is more of a rare one. Yeah. It's like, we double down on you twice. Right. You didn't, you didn't flame out. If you're a three season, you didn't. Yeah. Flame out. Two and seasons. So, you still could be considered one. Exactly. And also it's like the first season's always like the getting used to having cameras. And the second season is sort of like, the one where they can begin to perform like how they want to come off. And then mm-hmm. by the third season, it's like you start to forget the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting thinking about her trajectory on the show and like the iconic moments that she brought and everything. And, and considering that of the women that were returning to the show, obviously I think everyone would agree. She was like firmly placed in fifth in terms of importance, whether mm-hmm. that be just because of lack of seniority, but also just sort of like you have four heavy hitters yeah. above her. But I'm interested sort of to see and also but like if she's saying like I'm coming back to film it's kind of like you're so so it's a job right and it's like that's sort of where it it never really works it's like I don't know just talking about it as though like I'm filming the show and it's like well the whole show is like we're just filming your life so like what are you are you literally is the purpose of you coming back here and also it's weird to like in my opinion to get engaged and be like peace out it's odd to me that they couldn't wait to, uh, that he couldn't wait to propose until the season wrapped. It's not like that was that far, far off. If they've been together for several years now, it's just the timing of this all seems so odd. If he doesn't want her on the show, that's their prerogative to figure out in terms of like what they want to do. But the idea that it's so hasty that it's like, got to go to Chicago, got to come back to film. It's like, it didn't need to be like this. You know what it feels like to me? It feels like he was like, quit the fucking show and we'll get married. And she quit the show and then her reward was getting engaged. And that's why it wasn't done on camera. Aside from like Dale taking an iPhone shot of it. It does not feel, because I don't think the cameras were there, right? That's the whole thing. It feels like he said, come to Chicago and we'll start our new life. And a part of that life is you no longer being on the show. And she said, yes, please. She said, I do. And so she moved to Chicago. And the weekend she moved to Chicago, he proposed. Because that was... That was her reward for giving up her life to start a new one with him. And what is he giving up, by the way? Like, I don't know. I've never been in a substantial, significant relationship, significant enough that we were thinking about, like, long-term partnership, whether that was, like, getting married or something else. But it makes me nervous that she's being the – she's – the only one making a sacrifice. And I say that understanding that you got to move somewhere and maybe they both truly do feel that Chicago is the place and it makes sense because that's where his company is located and everything else. I would just think the greater sacrifice would be like him showing up on camera more. And if she was leaving the show, why not give her one great swan song, which is having like nice quality video coverage of this great moment. Like give her the gift of going out on a note that feels produced is that is that terrible no where it feels like this and is that's a part great of because life. it's like 
that that way he's not sacrificing like having the wedding on camera or anything right. like that, which clearly he would not want. But you're giving her that small moment of like, okay, we'll do the engage. And also, by the way, he could engage to her off camera and then re-engage on camera. You know what I mean? Like we wouldn't have to know that. Right. And I think your point that like, why is this happening in this way during production is worse. Yeah. I just feel like she's giving up a lot. Why can't we give her... The exit, or if it's not an exit, which is what she's trying to say, at least in the middle of the season, give her the moment that she has so desperately wanted. Yeah. I'm just really nervous about season 12. It feels like all alphas. It feels like when I hear about the show and I've been hearing about more like how it is through like sort of Ramona and Lou. These are women who might think the show is going to be good because there are like crazy loud drunken moments but that doesn't create a good show that can just be a train wreck and New York is supposed to be smarter than that we need someone who's going to give us the narrative it's been Heather before it's been Bethany before it's been in small parts um Dorinda and Sonia before when usually when they're sober although that doesn't necessarily mean that Dorinda um can't be insane like uh, how am I doing not well, bitch, when she was drinking Diet Coke so that she could murder Sonia on camera and not have someone be like, well, you were drunk as an yeah. excuse. But who's going to play that role? I think the whole thing with New York is that, I don't know, the Capote of it all, where it's like, who's going to talk about all of the wildness that's happened? Carol, you know, like Jill. Who- Jill wants to be on the, I don't trust Jill's choices of how she's going to behave on camera noting that I am desperate for her to come back full time I don't think that Jill has that kind of personality or capacity she's not known as someone who can speak about the show while it's happening or after when they're filming confessionals through the eyes and lens of a Greek chorus like she doesn't have that sensibility to me I am desperate for her to come back because no one can trigger Ramona better than Jill Zarin yeah and she's known all these women so I could see her coming back and like starting out being BFFs with Lou and maybe something happening and or, or with definitely with Sonia and something happening where she's calling shit out I think she would be very good she really really wants to be back yeah Let, let's bring her back like there's no reason at this point aside from how she behaves off camera and some Plus, stuff that she's I think done. it would be fun to see her relationship with this new man like the post Bobby Jill yeah. would be really fun. I also like, and I, I just remain nervous about Leah. Um, I, I just don't, and again, I don't know her like, you know, I don't want to be too much of a quick draw, but I just, I don't instinctually get excited. Whereas like sometimes we'll hear about so-and-so is filming or something. And I'll be like, like right now for me, like with Garcelle, I'm like, I know I'm like, I'm here for whatever this is. And with Leah, I just, I'm not, I'm not sure. Because I don't see the organic connection to the women. Whereas, like, again, with with Dorinda coming in in season seven, it's like, oh, this totally makes sense. She's literally been on the show before. Yeah, Jill Um, introduced her. Yeah, and so it's just, I don't understand how Leah will fit in. Thankfully, we have Potomac. um, And we have, you know, we're clued into the fact that we've got plot. Speaking of Beverly Hills, by the way, what are our thoughts on this whole thing that's allegedly happening with Denise, where Denise is refusing to film with them on their cast trip, which I assume will be to the illustrious Tampa based on where these casts are taking vacations this season. Like, I don't know why Key West is, we are on Canada. Like we're pretending that Porsche is super excited to go to Canada. I was iconic. Um, I mean, Vancouver I have heard is the new South of France. So there we go. Um, but have you heard about these little rumblings about Denise? Yeah. What are your thoughts? I have none. I mean, like, I'll, we'll see what happens. But 
I Beverly Hills hoping for the best it it was it started off I have to say last season I was in it to win it I thought the breakup up with LVP and Kyle was excellent and very very strong and the first part of the season started off really strong I remember watching the premiere and being like what the fuck is happening but this is great um like I don't get it but I'm in it and then it died and I was not expecting them to bring back Teddy let alone everybody else yeah couldn't believe that they brought back Erica full time. Couldn't believe it. I think as she is presenting herself, it's best used in front of doses. Yeah. Um, I think Denise, I like there's Denise brings so much or brought so much last season that I, and also an organic connection to the women, which again, we've talked about as essential. Um, but I, the refusing to film, I just don't, I don't know. I don't buy that. And I, again, it's like who, cause I did this begin with Brandy. Is that who sort of, Brandy was saying that there's somebody who's being really fake on camera and that it's like not working out for them, I want to say. And so some people were saying that was Camille who they're bringing back because they have no plot going on. So they're going back to that. Well, Um, can we talk about the Brandy tweets? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which ones? The one where she's like, I'm really high. Yeah. And then she said she thought she got roofied. And then the next morning she followed up and she's like, I'm okay, everyone. I scream at Damien, OG of the AG, about this a lot and have been in the past because he thinks that she should return. And I say Brandy doesn't live here anymore. And she is jilling out to a level that Jill didn't even go where it's calling out for attention in the worst possible ways and doing it in such a deeply self-destructive way that I don't need her back on the show. I can just. I totally agree. I think Brandy has that same. Teresa thing which is that she did a couple iconic things Mm. and then people because of that Mm -hmm. it's like yes Brandy certainly had moments on the show no one is denying that Mm -hmm. as did Teresa but it's like that thing where with both of them I find myself just being like what like what they don't bring us enough regularly if you go back and think about like Brandy's like solo plots and like what Brandy did when it was like wasn't fighting with someone else like there wasn't a there there um similarly to to Teresa it's like you only really like Teresa when she's at 100 but like when Teresa's not at 100 or do you feel differently no no continue continue when Teresa's not at 100 it's just like there's not a lot of going on I thought Brandy was best when she was an actual victim when it was Hmm. she's like um, when her crutch was being was hidden at game night and she responded and and said, you know, she went too far, perhaps with the crystal meth response, but she had a reason to do so. And then she fully you could say she fully treated she like put on the mask. It's just that her mask happened to be a whole lot darker to me from like a hurt, wounded place than Teresa's. But like Brandy's like friendship with um Kim? Yolanda for oh. instance like that those like that plot like that was never interesting to me like the idea of her um forging real relationships on the show was not compelling and also pretending that slapping someone was funny for the camera or throwing a glass of wine in someone's face I just think about the $35 blowout of it all yeah and I would be very very angry if I was looking at a co-star who was looking for more camera time or a plot and that included throwing a liquid on my blown out hair yeah. I would lose lose my fucking mind yeah i guess it's just like this is an unformed thought so pardon me if it comes oh out. you're on the right show but uh there's something about this idea now where it's sort of like as they're filming we kind of all ask ourselves like okay what's gonna like what's gonna be the plot this season who's yeah. hating who who's like into who's on whose side 
And I guess because I just rewatched season four of Roni, that's like top of mind for me. And it's like season four, which is clunky, but ultimately enjoyable. Yeah. It didn't have that sort of like, I guess many people consider that like the the uh, blondes versus the brunette season. Mm-hmm. But it's like kind of like not that simple because everyone kind of goes at everyone at points. I mean, there's even moments in the reunion where like Cindy disagrees with Jill and, and Kelly and Luann disagree at one point during the reunion. And it's a fun season because it's not so based off of besides obviously the Ramona Luann, but it's like not so much about feuding. It's just sort of about a bunch of small fights. And then of course, like there's Morocco, but like it's. I sort of like that sort of cadence to the show when it's just sort of like we're seven women who sometimes love each other, sometimes hate each other, which I think New York is best at more than any of the other franchises. And with Beverly Hills, I feel like we tend to do this thing, which is like, what's the, who's the big, the big divide going to be. It's like last season, it was like the Kyle uh, LVP thing. And it's like, I don't need the extremes so much as much as I sort of just like a steady bump. Bump and grind. So can I pivot to another franchise that this is just reminding me of? So what are your thoughts about the alliances and the season as a whole on Orange County? So interesting. There's the Trace Amigas or the Trace Amoebas. There's... Yeah. So watching Orange County, I have to... So it's super entertaining this season. I don't want to deny it that because I am... When I let's say I was just in Hawaii for a week and I just Ooh. got back and I was like I need to catch up on the four shows yes. and I asked myself okay what's what do I want to catch up on first mm-hmm. and I like I literally was just like without you know what what uh, what sticks out for me the most and I went to Orange County first which I think matters I just want to think to myself which one did I do first and I did I think I did Orange County and then Dallas yeah and Dallas wasn't because it deserved it Dallas was because I was just. I just needed to get through it. Fair. I needed to get it over with. So I definitely think that Orange County had a compelling season. It had structure to it. It had no uh, uh, weak links this season, surprisingly. Um, everyone's bringing something. But I think that ultimately it only works when it's like in vacation mode it doesn't feel like it can sustain itself on its own because like so much of this season has been about the Kelly Vicky thing Mm -hmm. or it's all been about Shannon Tamara versus Kelly. Yeah. And so what OC doesn't have, but it's been lucky enough to not have to rely on too much, but it's like, that's what I mean is it doesn't really have individual plots. Like, it's not good about, like, for instance, Tamara's trying to fashion this, like, my kids are, no one gets along in my family. She made this quote this this episode, which I thought was wild, where she was like, we're the most, like, dysfunctional, functioning family. And I'm like, Tamara, no, you're, you're just dysfunctional. You're not functioning. Yeah, you're, yeah. None of, um, yeah, none of your kids are speaking to both parents. Yeah, but not it's like, great. if you think about the individual plots, or like, Bronwyn's like, oh my god, it's chaos raising kids. And she, it's like, every, none, nothing's working. Like Or like, uh, Shannon's still trying to make this, like, salmon. You know, this, like... <laughs> Um, none of that works for me in a way where it's like, whereas with New York, it's like, I can watch Dorinda walk around. Uh, what, where did she move to? Midtown East. But what's it called? Turtle Bay. No, I forget the name of it. It's where it's the same. Murray Hill. Is it Murray Hill? No, it's the same building that Riley stayed in. I know that. But whatever that is, like, I yeah. can watch her going around and picking oh, yeah, up flowers, weird... like yeah. Belle and Disney and uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I can watch that all day. Like I, I can watch Ramona do anything. I don't feel that way about the OC women. They don't carry their own scenes. But yeah, I mean, this trip was super fun. I think, though, 
and Kelly says this, which is like interesting that she's so self-aware, but it's like, it gets, it escalates so quickly. And it's like, we had that moment in Arizona where Vicky surrendered. Um, and it's like the fact that we, and even now it's like, we're literally watching Kelly with this one man talking about potentially moving in, knowing that she just got engaged to another man. It's like, there's something about OC that feels frenetic and, uh, which is enjoyable to an extent, but at some point you're kind of like, this roller coaster has to like plateau. You know what I mean? Like the whole reason why roller coasters are fun is you have that big, you go up the hill and you whoosh down the hill and then you kind of creak around for a little while until the next hill. And I feel like with OC, it's like we're going up and down and up and down, but it's like, I want to creak around the corner a little bit to like find my bearings. Does that make any sense? This is so interesting to me. I, I just... So you feel like OC is more about maybe like the energy than sustained plot? It's just like we're fighting a lot and it's fun, but it's like even in this preview for the finale where Tam- we have Tamara acting that scene where she's running away yeah. at the end, it's like it feels so much like Tamara knows that it's the finale and she has to do right. something. No, and no, so- that, yeah, yeah. That feels very manufactured. But I mean, I feel like when they're together, it's it's like we it's like I trust that these are authentic fights. Like I trust the fact that Kelly and Vicky truly don't like each other. Mm-hmm. But it's like you reach that point where it's like, well, these two people don't like each other. So why are we in the same room together? Whereas other like iconic fights that have happened before, I at least understand wh- like why we're all here together. It's just like Vicky and 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 Kelly are never going to get along. That hasn't been as much of a problem. I don't know. I think I've been watching the the season grateful that I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And I've been more focused on enjoyment than like what the history books will say about this season. But I do have to say that some of these fights have been really impactful to me. Although I do completely agree that they have been like vacation focused, which isn't great. Though a vacation sometimes takes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And so all you're left with are these like lingering feelings and there's no, you can't hide in your house. Yeah. You and know? it's fun to have all of them together in a space, like in not just for dinners, right? Yeah. Like that, they're like, you know, that scene, I'm not a fan of the Trace Amigas, but I did enjoy the like, we're just waking up and we're all in bed together mm-hmm. kind of like moments that yeah. I think are unique and which we've had in New York um, at the Berkshires. And mm-hmm. I love those scenes. Cause mm-hmm. It's like, and what other show are you seeing these adult women, some of them grandmothers, in bed with each other in their pajamas with these wild hangovers, hair everywhere. It's like in those moments, I do feel like, okay, like there's still something here. Vicky still does bring stuff from time to time. Like I don't deny that. I know. But um, this, I, I don't know. I'm super interested in this reunion because I just feel like this season was frantic and wild. But... If anything, I think Emily Oh my god. is starting to like find her footing and what we've seen in the recent weeks both on the show and IRL yes. is this new friendship between her and Kelly. Yes. Which in the beginning it was like felt like Kelly was more like Vicky's excuse me not, that um Emily. Emily was more like Kelly's soldier, but more and more it's starting to seem like I hate to use the line that I was making fun of earlier but it's a Kelly uh, Emily's finding her voice. And it's exciting. Vicky said at one point online, she tweeted like that Emily drank the Kool-Aid and Emily's response was, and by drank the Kool-Aid, you mean I didn't turn on Kelly and hate her like the three of you wanted me to do. Your agenda was to turn everyone on the cast against Kelly and ice her out so she would be fired. I didn't fall for it. 
So this is fun because we've sort of seen these moments throughout the season where Emily was trying to get in the good graces of Tamara once mm-hmm. again, like the way, the awkward way in. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see like Emily still trying to have this friendship. And I think now that she has Kelly to, to latch, to latch onto and to keep her on the show and everything, she doesn't need Tamara so she can actually be her enemy versus being her frenemy. Mm-hmm. Cause we've seen this frenemy thing happening for a long time, which ultimately proved uninteresting. So I'm excited for this reunion for Kelly to have Emily fully on her side and no longer sort of like playing the middle. And also Emily is a truly smart, quick, yeah. funny person. Not so, a great party planner, not a great party planner, but watching but, yes. her lawyer come out, which Hello. is her other full-time job. She passed the bar. She did. She passed many bars. Um, <laughs> I, I just think like good. Like I watch her have these moments online and on the show and I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of you, bitch. Yeah. Watching Gina be like funny about the shark shit. Like I did not know I would get, I was angry with their first season for both of them. I was like, these, these, these are not good housewives. This is not good plot. It just wasn't good. And watching them come into their own, even if coming them coming into their own is like watching them unravel a little bit. I I am, I feel good. I totally agree. And it makes me wonder about past one season women who mm. had we given them a second one, what would have happened? I mean, the one that obviously comes to mind is Jules just because there was so much inherent plot to still give because she immediately mm-hmm. got the divorce from the husband but it's like with them I had a similar reaction to you where I was like why are we doing this and right. why did we do this and now I'm kind of like you know what I settled into both of them and I quite like both of them yeah I mean Gina's Cheetos spawn on her Instagram is scary but like I like this journey for her yeah and Gina, I think, had many really good moments this yeah. season. Everything that happened with Gina in Arizona mm-hmm. was like, she proved that she's got some fortitude. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love this show because it can show you strong women in weak moments, mm-hmm. but. Gina reminded us that like Gina's a strong woman. And also who would have known that Gina Emily ongoing fighting would have ever happened. Like that was fascinating. Fascinating, but it's good that it ultimately it feels grounded in this oh, idea that we both super real. we both want to be friends. Yeah, and I think it's sort of similar to Brandy and Stephanie when they had their falling out on camera just because it seems Ugh. to come so out of nowhere. And I mean Brandy and Stephanie's was more like based on Stephanie wrote a blog, Brandy didn't read it and got really upset about it, and then they didn't talk for three months or whatever. But at least these are two women who love each other and they're acting out their own shit through fighting with each other. Right. And it's not really about the other person. It's about what that, right. what they themselves are like struggling with fighting through right. IRL. And then, you know, you add on, this is on a fucking show, you know, it's just kind of, ma- I I don't want to use the word magical, but here I go. It's yeah. just kind of magical. Well, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a lot, like this is one of those great instances where a reunion feels necessary. Yeah. Because it's like there's a lot for us to go and sift through and get a status update. I think the big question is, because Vicky's not going to return as a friend of, like she wouldn't do she that. She has said publicly so the, that's her strategy is to say publicly you have me back full time or not at so all. So that's the question of like, what do they do with that? And then there seems to be a uniformity within the fandom, at least from what I'm seeing about the desire to get Tamara off this show. And so I'm curious, sort of, have we reached the end of the line with Tamara? Okay, what's your answer to that? Because I've been struggling with that. I it would never struggled. And then lately, like the last several weeks, because I'm like, love her or hate her. She's so diabolical on the show and will sacrifice everything 
that like, should we respect her game for that? Or are we over it because it's so, so manufactured? Like when Vicky turns on someone, like the shit she's doing about like, Kelly, you got thrown out of school. You push your mom down the stairs. She's not doing that for the show. She's doing that to humiliate and ruin someone versus Tamara's manipulation seemed to be to benefit the show by throwing a friend under the bus, you know, or the train. I mean, it's that there is a strategy there that is connected with her like salaried position versus Vicky, who is truly vile. I mean, I go back to something we said that you and I talked about the last time I was here, which was that like Tamara was originally brought on this show and she was seen as so favorable because she had this horrible husband Mm. and she was doing her best and she was raising these kids who are much younger and you were just sort of seeing Tamara as much more of the victim of a bad situation. And plus Tamara was really likable in the in the early years. Was she? I think so. Oh, yeah, I really think so. I like Tamara so much in season three and four. Yeah. Yeah. The sitting at that, the seating at that derby thing where she was like trying to ice people out in order to grow closer to Vicky. And she like immediately latched onto Vicky with the we're best friends. We're don't that. love that. But like, did it like I didn't find her to be like the evil maniacal yeah, yeah, person totally that I agree, now. Totally, totally so agree. that was a little bit more like, oh, you know, Tamara, she'll find her way. Yeah. Uh, no, I think we absolutely need her off the show. I think we Tamara has proven whether it be like with her social media or her watch what live watch what happens live appearances. Tamara's not good at the game. And the worst part about Tamara is how good she thinks she is at the game. I, I don't know why I, I really, and I'm I, keeping it real as I do. I don't know why my response is like, but isn't she really good at the game because she's been able to stay on for this so long, so long and sacrifice literally everyone in her life, including her kids by surprising Spencer on camera with Ryan to talk about their yeah. alienated relationship. I, I mean, guess it depends on what you like, sort of what, aspects of the show resonate for you because you know we all have different entryways into like sort of like what it is about this phenomenon Mm -hmm. that sort of captures Mm -hmm. us and I think for me I and I I always always come back to the Jill Bethany season Mm -hmm. three Bethany Mm -hmm. outside of Lou's Lou's apartment Ramona's apartment in the red dress Mm -hmm. I always come back to that moment and the and the reality of that moment Mm -hmm. whereas to me with this Tamara business the idea of programming you know plot lines and everything for the show um while it can be effective I don't I'm not arguing that I'm just saying that that's not that's not what I came here for what does the show look like do you think Vicky Mm. will be back full-time or not I think we'll need to see the reunion to see where things shake out okay I think that they very much at least what I gather from the fandom is that Kelly is center orange what do we so what does the show look like without potentially Tamara and Vicky? What does it look like? A new, fr- so Shannon brings in a friend of hers. But who, okay. In terms of like a new housewife, it like And a we Shannon- just depend on the fact that Kelly will hate that person or that Kelly and Shannon going against each other is strong enough. I'd rather them resolve. But then um, what's I could happening? use a Kelly Bronwyn divide maybe next season. Um, I don't know that it would be Kelly and Bronwyn. It might be Gina and Kelly. That's not interesting to me because I like them better as friends. But that's the thing is that, but then where is the show? I know that everyone, uh, the majority of people, you know, like the Trace Amigas 
oh base is is relatively tired but like what yeah where is it coming so from? bring the back spark? to bro to be friends to be shannon's friend and then give me give me like who could DeBro feud with um, she could feud with kelly and bronwyn but the thing is, it's like, because they feuded before um, Debro oh, and Gina Kelly. Oh, Gina and Heather would hate each other. Gina and Heather would hate. Well, I used to be, at the same time, it's like, I just don't think Heather would have time for a Gina. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Heather's making the, the videos alone. in her garage. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but that's a good question. I think that if anything, OC should lean into past housewives and sort of, I would love to see Keo back. Um, Keo would murder she would oh rip God. some of these and it'd be great because her new she has limb. a new face and she'd be able to sort of mm-hmm. introduce reintroduce mm-hmm. herself mm-hmm. um so i th- yeah again i think we'll have to see how things shake out in the reunion and sort of i guess we sort of have a sense of where allegiances lie now because of social media but let's sort of see what the reunion gives us i so the finale is episode 20 so i was thinking because it can't be 23 so i was thinking we'll probably do a three-part reunion and then the, sh- the footage we didn't show you they released they released the schedule it's like all three parts are happening within a week which is very strange to me but also so, i cannot take watching four shows a week it is literally ruining yeah me. yeah um so I- i'm curious to see and, and then you know it's interesting as we sort of stretch on into these like teenage years of these shows just sort of constantly sort of ask ourselves sort of like what do we want out you know looking we look at the last season what worked what didn't work and thinking about it from the producer's perspective I think it was just we never it's interesting to see a show like this aging because unlike something like ANTM which which all similarly went into its teenage years that was able to rely on the structure of the show because it was a competition show right this That's doesn't have inherent structure to mm-hmm. it. So it's really interesting because every season really is an opportunity. You know, you have like the season five of Roni thing, which is like they could literally you know, recast, the, recast the show and yeah. make and, and have it come back. Well, not in the case of Roni, but they can recast the show and have it come back and be a million times better. Yeah. Like they can rejudge these shows and they can be, you know, they can basically create brand new shows on the show and like Kelly's like um, Vicky's face it just needs a couple seasons to settle yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. like it doesn't happen automatically and I also feel like we are pretending that making these casting choices can be surgically done and that's not it it's not America's Next Top Model like, totally this is something that is personality specific people change over time and their own lives change so we cannot pretend that the vicky season one is going to be the same as vicky season 15 you know like it's it's just going to it's it is more of an art than people give it credit for which is why inserting one bad housewife can fuck up the whole deal i would compare that with carrie with a k on dallas right now you put one person in who doesn't necessarily make sense and even if you know the clock is a broken clock is right twice a day like even if she makes some good points in a very specific environment, the vibe is off. Yeah, the vibe is off. You know, and I think for OC, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I really honestly don't have a recommendation. I am at a weird point because I I truly dislike Tamara. And I do think that her actions are manufactured. I am just nervous about what will happen if Tamara and Vicky both go, but I understand that I'm a naturally nervous person and that maybe it will be a rough next season. And then the season after that, it'll be a, a completely new book. Yeah. Like a great I mean, one. the good thing is we know we have this, we know we have a lot of plot from Kelly next season. Right. So, Oh my God. Just sort of, oh so God. at least we know we're going in with, 
there's an event that's happened that sort of we can you know because I think the really interesting thing about like Roni this season is like we don't have a natural we've been relying for so many seasons on the Luann mm-hmm. whether it be like the, the marriage or the arrest yeah. and all these things we don't whereas like with OC right now it's like we at least have something to sort of center mm-hmm. the reasoning behind the show continuing mm-hmm. on P.S. so the whole argument the the anger that I had toward Gina her first season was based on the fact that we were supposed to give a shit about her marriage when we sever- never saw Matt not once. Is Rick allowed to be on Housewives? Will Fox allow Rick to be on Housewives? I mean, allegedly he's moving to California to be closer to her or is, is hoping to get transferred. But will they? Will Fox, the network, let him be on this franchise? I don't think they would have any um, ability you, to not allow it. I mean, I think he probably has a contract. But it's about- not, it's, he wouldn't be getting paid to be on it. Yeah, I still think that because huh. they probably not literally but figuratively kind of like own his likeness a little bit and because he's in I don't personality think they, news I think you don't knowing think what would, I know of, of Fox a different news network? I don't think I if anything I think they would view it as a good good thing not a bad thing if Savannah Guthrie was offered the chance to go on Survivor don't you think that NBC would have a problem with I it I think that's different though because that's like they would use her in the advertising she'd be central to the show it's like he's just going. He's, he's a tertiary character. He's not the one signing the contract. Yeah, and he's, he's not just doing signing press an agreement. And like, yeah, he's just whereas signing. Like Savannah Guthrie would have to be like a, a, a release. He's signing a release. He's yeah. not signing. A, I think they would be here for it. I don't know that I'm ready to see. But it. also, we've had him on Watch What Happens Live, for instance. So if they really didn't like it, I feel like that would have been a a moment to. But I feel like when he's on Watch What Happens Live, he is an audience member, and the camera pans to him in the front row versus being a character, albeit a spouse. I mean, he's going to be a character. There's no, I mean, I just, there's no way in which he's not on the show next season. And they're getting married. What is it? What's the, it's, they're getting married the same day Cynthia is. Oh my God, I forgot about what that. What is it? Some 11, 2020 or something? What is it? It's like the fun date or whatever Sounds i was gonna fun. say 2020 i'm like that doesn't make <laughs> sense um i'm i'm a little okay i'm a, okay she listen she loves him yeah she loves him yeah and and jolie has met him now jolie she hates taking pictures I hates taking pictures and I, yeah i don't I'm, I'm a little nervous for my boo cal who who knew that we were gonna come booze and now i'm like i i just want her to be happy and to find her continue finding herself and find her grace find her grace and and work on herself with that doctor that beach doctor Um, i do think like shiny face i do think like the uh the posting of like the screen caps of things on social media that she's been doing lately is like it's interesting because it's like her brand is a hundred percent housewives whereas you see like obviously Bethany being the best example, but it's like using this platform to do something else. And it's like, Kelly is very clearly like once her reputation, like once her professional or, or celebrity reputation to be within this show or is okay with that. I should say. Well, she doesn't, she is not a natural businesswoman in the way that Bethany came in and was like, I'm a businesswoman. I mean, she put quarter of a million dollars into water. Right. Right. But I don't even necessarily mean from the business sense, but it's just like her, so much of like the interview she's doing and everything, mm-hmm. it's like she's centering her existence around the show versus even not necessarily the business sense, but just like, I just think there's something unique about making static posts on Instagram that are screenshots of fights with the cast member of your show. 
is a very specific brand. This me. is a huge part. This is the core. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like Ramona Singer would never engage in plot, like would never be doing anything housewives, uh, like drama related on her Instagram. It's a place for selfies and and glamour shots. So if we're going to talk about a housewife who centers seemingly her existence or is investing kind of all facets on, of her life on housewives and staying in it. I mean, Kelly's threatened to leave before if Vicky wasn't on it. So Kelly has a place to go. Let's out, shall we say financially and otherwise, if she was no longer on the show, you know, like it's Kelly. Let's look at Dallas. Leanne Locken. She's having a rough go of it. Not to say that it's not a thousand percent her fault, but when I talked to Dan, Deandra a couple weeks ago, Deandra was essentially saying that Leanne wouldn't be back on the show. It's, it's, that she said it was un- <laughs> unlikely. I was like, how the fuck is that possible? I don't see a world in which that happens. I haven't seen a full episode of Watch What Happens since I got back because I was focused on like literally binging these four franchises this week. But I saw a clip of Andy talking about the racist shit that Leanne said. And he looked angry, yes, but he also looked tired when he was talking about it on the show. And it could be because, as he said, like they talked about it for 90 minutes during the recording of the reunion. But I also wonder if he's tired of potentially like this arc and this part of Leanne and if that might translate into her no longer being on. I never thought that was possible, but I wonder if this woman who Deandra makes the joke that like Leanne doesn't have a day job and do you really need one when you're on Housewives? Yeah. I mean, that is actually a job. But Leanne is one of those people who came into the franchise destined to be a housewife where it's like, what did you do before? Aside yeah. from like writing books for Amazon. Like this seems like your life has been building up to this moment. But what happens if the moment is taken away from you? And is that a realistic assumption to even make or something to talk about? Like, do is there a world in which Dallas exists without Leanne? I don't think there's a world in which Dallas exists with or without Leanne. You think it's done? I think it's done. But they're casting for season five right now. I mean, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Would you (laughs) stop? I've never felt so uh, over. I've never felt this way. Well, actually, Jersey season six. I love DC. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Give me. Salahis all day. Oh, my God. Uh, No, I want her. I would want her off. Hashtag don't stop believing. Um, No, but. She's on tour with Journey. There's a lot. Uh, in DC. No, but I just feel like Dallas miscast itself. There's a world in which the Dallas franchise is so incredible. Like they definitely have a season and they definitely have mm-hmm. a flavor mm-hmm. to like that location that mm-hmm. is great. Um, I just feel like it was miscast from the jump and uh, these women aren't friends. I mean, I guess like, you know, you have the Brandy and Stephanie mm-hmm. um, and I guess at one point you had Leanne and Deandra, but it's just like, for instance, everything that we're watching right now with Cam's sort of like journey to understanding Leanne mm-hmm. is not a great person. It's like, it's not as though the d- this friendship dissolving, there's any stakes there. Right, right. Because they're so, friends for the show. They're friends for the show. And so I just feel like Dallas never, I mean, Dallas was at its best during season two and three. We had a great, we had two yeah, good yeah. seasons yep. for sure. Yep. Good seasons, but not Potomac level, like, oh my God, but lightning solid, in a bottle. Solid. Yeah, solid for sure. And definitely Potomac is at a level 
over yeah. everybody oh else right now. Literally over everybody else yeah. in execution. And, and obviously, I think, too, Dallas, the two those two good seasons were happening during bad seasons for some of the other shows, like particularly with Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, made it especially like uh, a nice... Um, Palette cleanser. Exactly. It was our, um, le- our lemon sorbet. Yeah, but I just... Uh, there's a lack of... of cohesion and the lack of energy from Dallas. Cause I think one thing that let's speak to my two favorites for a second. So Potomac in New York, both of those, every single woman in both of those casts, when those cameras are up, we're serving. Agree. And I think with Dallas, there's just, I think particularly with like Brandy um, and uh, Carrie, uh, there's just a sort of a lack of like energy and a lack of like, being present in the room to do this. And it's not necessarily present to fight. It's just present in general. I mean, I'm thinking about the, the Mexico trip earlier this season. Mm -hmm. And it just was like everyone, like even the beach scenes and everything. It's just like, everyone's just kind of so lackadaisical. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we need to turn things up. And, or which I agree with. And just to add on to that, the moments where there are fights are sort of based on, the fact that this is a TV show, which nobody can talk about. Yeah. So Deandra dressing up in the dresses to make fun of Leanne and try to ruin her business on camera. Um, the uh, uh, Cam and Leanne fighting, not fighting this week and Cam continuing to defend her to her castmates is not something that Cam would do in real life. It's, I think because she doesn't want to create conflict with Leanne because she might be afraid of Leanne and she's afraid of Leanne as a person, but really about what Leanne will do to her on camera. Yeah. I, I also think the reason why I don't think Leanne is a compelling character. So let's let's take the let's compare from a, the Leanne uh, Cam situation, which is mm-hmm. like brewing. Mm-hmm. And let's compare that for a moment, if we will, with like the Jill Bethany. What's mm-hmm. interesting there is like, obviously, in that fight, Jill was the bad guy and Bethany was the good guy. However, I had a great amount of understanding from I understood why Jill was mad at Bethany even though I didn't I didn't think it uh was right I there was a clear reasoning right which is that like my husband was sick and you didn't call so all of this well no but that was giving side eye it was that you got more famous than I than I am and you didn't bring me along for the ride right right no that's what was really happening but I'm saying I'm speaking more to in Jill's mind sure that she forces herself to believe the bullshit that she said yes yeah 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 um, whereas with these women over here, it's just like, I don't understand Leanne's logic often other than being an antagonizer. So it's just like, there's not at least that sense for me. It's like, I understand in Jill's mind, Jill's doing what makes sense to her because Jill feels wronged. I can't in my mind understand like, cause Leanne's always sort of in attack mode. I can't see the justifiable reason why Leanne does the thing she does. I also, such a good point. I also think, Jill and Leanne have more in common than they probably have both ever thought in the sense that Leanne thinks to herself, this is how I'm going to be a sympathetic character. Yeah, I agree. And this Mm -hmm. is how I'm going to execute that. And you see that so obviously through in the Mexico trip, for instance, of like, of her wanting to like really keep her cool because she wanted it to be that the other girls came for her and she was cool as a cucumber. And the difference with them is Jill allegedly said to the women off camera, don't film with Bethany, don't film her spinoff so that she the, so that it'll fail. And Leon on camera threatens Cam with the whole 
what are people back home going to say? And just you wait until I tell them my side, Yeah, which is saying I'm going to bury you yeah in quote unquote society or on this show that's watched by hundreds of thousands of people yeah. if not millions which it's it's not millions yeah. but um it it just yeah but Pl- cam made a really interesting move this week that i was surprised the show allowed for which was that moment in the confessional of the i wasn't i'm not gonna say what i really wanted to say moment yeah and it's like girl <laughs> This is the show where if you have a moment to say the thing and we're on vacation on top of that, because her whole thing was, I don't want to ruin the vacation. Mm -hmm. And it's like, girl, ruin the vacation. Like, you're not new here. Ruin the vacation. Maybe she didn't want to be in the room with Leanne in the same hotel room after she brought that shit up. But that just shows me that she's not right for the show. It's like, I, I get that, like, morally. Like, I get it. But, like, that's not how you play the game of the show. The show needs you to do the thing. And the fact that she spilled it in the confessional and gave us the tease of, like, what could have been mm-hmm. is kind of, like, exactly synthesizes my problem with Dallas. Did you see the scene for next week where her husband's like, I want to introduce you to this person. She's in the middle of talking to Leanne and she's like, oh yeah. Okay. Um, I'll be right back. And Leanne's like, all right. And then she walks away and he thinks that they're off camera and forgets that he's mic'd or she's mic or whatever. And he's like, I just needed to get you away from her. You can't go anywhere near that racist shit, which is, I'm sure going to come back on the reunion. Yeah. Come up in the reunion. I and I hope, sure. and I hope the men come out. And so you don't think that Leanne saying the shit she has and being, saying racist shit repeatedly is a fireable offense. Well, that would make me wonder about Brandy Glanville during season four of Beverly Hills. The, um, Joyce pool. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, do you, I think uh, that's, I mean, this is such a complicated topic. Yeah. Uh, and we're both white people discussing it, by the way. Very true. Um, I noticed that as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it a fireable offense? just like as you just said I don't think that's for you and I to decide but I one I I, there are many racist people on reality television that thrive and I mean whether yeah and so we've had instances where they've been taken down as a result like Apollo Dean Um, Mm. I also think that I'm anxious to see, I guess, how Leanne conducts herself in the reunion, mm-hmm. um, whether there is remorse and whether she can formulate some sort of, not even necessarily just like an apology, but some sort of moment of, I watched that back and was disgusted by my own behavior. And that's not, she has been defending herself. She then just put up that little thing of she put up public statement that says I'm deeply sorry to those that I have hurt or offended with some of my comments on Real Housewives of Dallas season four it was never my intention to hurt anyone and I will use this as a learning experience um sidebar experience is misspelled to be Mm -hmm. more aware of my comments in the future my commitment moving forward is to continue my work fighting for equality and acceptance of all humans yeah it's uh, it's kind of like I I was just talking about this with someone recently which is that like we don't, we're not asking you to fight Leanne. If anything, you have this massive platform, encourage people to follow those people who are actually fighting. It's just this idea that it's like, you can take this moment and do something with it, which is that like, you can encourage people to look towards the people who do the work on the daily. The idea that like, she wants us to believe that she is a fighter for equality 
in this moment that has proven so much otherwise is like just sort of proves it's like you don't get it. It was never my intention to hurt anyone. It was solely her intention Tension. to hurt yeah. someone. Like, like that's let's not pretend the reason she was she was making fun and mocking someone and did it in the ugliest way right. possible. And it's like she wasn't being like my good friend yada yada. And it's she like was there's saying, a version I'm going to bur- bury you. And there's a version of this situation in which she says like I watch back that footage and saw myself for the first time as you all see me. And I had never realized that like I acted in a way that is completely deplorable. There's a way in which I'm not saying it would uh, make her completely forgivable by any measure, but I'm saying there's a way to handle this situation with dignity that that, that statement does not do. Whether or not she should be fired. Again, I, I think a lot of this will depend on, because like that statement is clearly manufactured. Yeah. Whereas in the reunion, when she's sort of forced to answer these topics in in her own words. Uh-huh. I think that's when we'll sort of be able to sort of uh, get a better sense of the future. I wonder which direction we'll go in. I guess she's going further into like uh, systematic bullying than anything else, where she's like going to curve and take a hard left, but it's too hard a curve. It's where someone's just... going to coach her and they're going to do a shitty job of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she's going to latch on to one phrase or one idea. And maybe that one phrase or one idea is like, I was, I was a broken child. Right. You know, like it's 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 not always that like you have to be accountable for your actions as an adult. And it felt like in that scene with Cam where where right before she buries Cam by being like, I'm going to fuck you up when we get back back home. She was saying, I only went into that show, that adult show, because everybody else wanted to go. But I believe in equality and I believe in like helping women. And it's like if you believe it. I believe that you think that you believe that, but then don't go into the show yeah. where she was mad at, at Cam, but she was also like mad at herself for yeah. making a choice that she probably thought would backfire. Yeah. And that's what ignited the flame. I just have this like huge issue around so many of these women sort of like trying to make activism in some sense, or like, you know, Sonia being a classic example of like trying to be like, cause there's this big moment. I know I keep going back to it, but the season four, episode with the marriage equality march oh my god that's exactly and they're what I and they're kind of I'm like so glad you said and they're that. like us having this fight on camera brought attention to marriage equality Alex said that yeah and it's just like wow like let's sit with that for a moment but like this is another example of like unless you're bethany frankel who has done tremendous work like actual activism mm-hmm. uh actual boots on the ground hello yeah. um i just I understand this desire, which is that like, I have this giant platform all of a sudden. And so I want to, um, and I do, and I don't doubt that a lot of these women do care about a lot of these issues, but it's like, there's a difference between, and I already said this, but there's a difference between using your platform to redirect attention towards people that are actual activists and what so many of these women do, which is that like purport to be activists themselves. And to care about the equality of other people is human. It's not, doesn't make you an activist. The idea that like you believe in equality is not applaudable. To me, that is like the baseline of existence. It's like, wow, you're not an awful human being. Congratulations. It's just this like notion that like to believe in LGBT equality or to the LGBT as Sonia calls it. Yes. Or to believe that women should support other women in podcasting. Um, (laughs) Like those notions as being like laudable is I think a super 
it's just like one of those like ways in which I think that we're so off the mark. It's also incredibly selfish because yeah. it's, it's um, allowing yourself the ability to walk away from being accountable Yeah, because you're saying we should all love each other. So let's start by loving me. Yeah. You know, like yes. we can't have a critique in this world against me or my choices because we should rise above. Right. Now I don't do that in my own life, but I would highly encourage you to do that to me when you are angry at me. Like totally. it's that kind of yeah. talk about a platform. Whereas I mean, it's like, if they want to do it, it's like, I want to see Sonia Morgan being like attending the Trevor projects, like annual gala and actually putting information about how the like, encouraging people to follow the Trevor project. And this, like all that stuff it's like there's a world in which they do this right but they don't seem interested in that well now watch if someone's gonna be like sonia was that the trevor project well no but watch they they're doing that so well that they were making transphobic comments at fashion show so like at at a fashion show so i don't i don't see that and then making comments being like i love everybody and it's like you're not getting it yeah i don't doubt that you love everybody that's not that's not being called into question but your demeanor in terms of how you express that love is what's being called into question. It's yeah. It's, it's so I feel like with the Leanne thing so often, it's like take a moment to hear what people are criticizing, then take another moment to process it and think about how you want to move forward and what you want to, what you want to make of this situation and how you want people to understand you because you have been, in your mind, you have been misunderstood, right? That's how Leanne would paint this. So it's like, so take a moment and figure out how we, how you can participate in having us better understand the you that you understand yourself to be. Oh my God, does that make any sense? It does. I am so into you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I laughed into the the mic. No, I love Um, it. No, but it's just like, it, it boggles my mind how curated these women can be about how they come off and yet how daft it's why they're on this show yeah you have to be a little bit i don't know super selfish in every way in which to exist as a real housewife and i don't hate that in a person you need to got the you need you need to have the ego yeah you know yeah but you can be that and it can be balanced with you can be super selfish and also really care about other people. Like those things are not um, necessarily in opposition of one another, but it's just like these women so often it's like the inability to marinate with criticism is off putting. I think they also don't trust the vessel in which like the self criticism yeah. is coming. You know out who does really well with criticism in my opinion, uh, Bethany is someone that I think handles criticism really well. <laughs> Let me think about that for a second. Um, yeah, depending on the source. Sure. I don't think she could ever look back at the fight with Carol and ever take an ounce of responsibility for that. L- I'd like to revisit that in some time. Not just, I mean, like, I'd like, I, I believe differently. Okay. Well, you, I cannot wait. I literally cannot. Tell me a little bit. I just feel like there's a world in which they will come together after a while and and see how they both were dumb for allowing this to be a plot on the show and not solving it off camera. I see a world in which that they realize that that they were both, I don't know if they were both wrong. It was just, I see a world in which in a few years over some drinks at a, it's a ski resort. It's hot cocoa. Look at Bethany and Jill now. They've been they've been baby yeah. stepping. Although Bethany wouldn't ever allow Jill the opportunity to like, and baby they'll never step be friends. Again. They'll never be friends. Whereas again. I feel like there's a point at which 
Because I do feel like her and Carol had a real friendship. And I do Definitely. feel like they can... Nothing happened that was enough to make it such that they can't get it back on track. And yeah, I, I believe that that one could, could fix itself. And a huge weapon during their fight was you know, like using the show. Yeah. So if neither of them are on the show at that yeah. point, or if Bethany's back and Carol's never or, allowed back, or bring, them both she back. Said, oh or bring them both back. Yeah. I thought that I could not believe that they let go of Carol when they did, because I thought we were right at the hottest possible moment. The mm. temperature in the room is so, so fucking hot. Why would you let her go? Yeah. Now? And you know what, now that we're talking about it, cause I've always, I've always been rather ambivalent about Carol, but now that I, that we're talking about it, it's kind of like, I actually, we, we needed her last season. We certainly need her now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we need a miracle. And her tweets are all like my Poshmark closet. Here's yeah. a double zero. It's $5. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Um, but this app was amazing. Should we say anything about Jersey? It was great. Loved it. One thing let's say about Jersey, like really quickly, it, there seems to be people of like two very like divided camps with regard to mm-hmm. the the current heartbeat of New Jersey and like the state that New Jersey is in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I just, I, I guess I'm, uh, you know, we're getting f- Frank Catania going to getting confessionals. Yeah. And going to eat with the, with the current guy, right, and, David. Yeah. I think, Jersey's got a good cast at the moment. Like they I really think that do. we have a good cast. Um, but I just am not feeling not a lot's happened. And yet I am completely fine. Yeah. I am completely we know shit's about to go down with or maybe not about to, but go down with um the Crypt Keeper of Franklin Lakes versus Margaret. Mm-hmm. So so in that sense. I think this is going to be like a, a, a strange comment. I'm missing somebody in New Jersey. And that is to say there was that moment, I think it was like two weeks ago after the big Dolores Jackie blow up when the four women went into the one hotel room mm-hmm. and had like the rum or the bourbon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it was just Jackie and Margaret and the other right. in the other room. And in that moment I was like, Oh my God, we're missing somebody else to even this out. You know, for instance, we're talking about season again, my God, fucking season four of Roni, but the blondes versus the brunettes, it was four on three. This feels it's like we've got a four on two and that's just ultimately not satisfying. It's like I want another woman in here on the Jackie Margaret side of things to just stir shit up. Or someone for all of them to band together to turn against, sure. which is what is going to happen with Danielle. Sure. It might help reset the wheel a little bit. Get Danielle off that show. She should never be allowed in anything ever for the. I don't want to hear about her fucking Marty no. or anything else. But the else. fact too that like uh, Margaret can be is pushing Marty in the pool uh, uh, one minute and then now she's, you know, calling up and they're friends again. It's just like, I, I don't, wh- wh- what is an alliance? Like what? And Marty was on the Jersey after show, yeah, which I bet he was. is a look. Yeah. yeah, He's a gross character. Yeah. It makes sense why they got Although married. you heard the whole thing about him turning up the thermostat at the house. To burn her alive? Well, to get her, <laughs> to get her out. Um, I don't think she feels normal body temperatures. No. Yeah. That would imply she has a heartbeat. Exactly. She doesn't. Um, no, but I think that in terms of um, masterful housewivesian behavior, that is like, okay. Is like, that the new poop in the toilet, which was a Jason oh Hoppy God. experience? He trademarked that putting cookie in a closet and like locking the door, which is genuine animal abuse. Like Like, truly. I I don't know a worse man. 
Oh my God. Well, this episode definitely did. You are <laughs> magical. Can you give um, the listeners a little idea of what is coming their way in the um, podcast mastery yeah. of 2020? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a little, um, it's kind of like, it's it's very clearly articulated, right? So far. Um, it's going to be interviews with, or sort of me in conversation with various friends of mine, many of whom are notable figures within the pop culture space. So first, I can reveal my first guest up. I'm having Christopher John Rogers as my first guest. Christopher just won the Vogue CFDA Fashion Fund. He's dressed Michelle Obama, Rihanna, Lil Nas X. The list really goes on. I'm going to actually open the episode with like literally just me listing all of oh the famous God. people he's Amazing. dressed this year. Um, but he is a young designer from Baton Rouge that is, to me, just... Everything. Yeah, he's Mecca. Um, but it's going to be us in conversation some somewhat about fashion, but also about a number of hot topics from uh, woke thirst traps to Rihanna winning the... Uh, uh, the oh yeah, Urban Lux, which was yeah, uh, fashion prize at the British Fashion Awards. Uh-huh. So we're gonna touch on a range of topics that you need not know who Christopher John Rogers is or fashion is. That's sort of the goal: is bringing interesting people on. There might be a housewife um, <gasps> in in the lineup, Ooh. but we're gonna be talking about hot topics that are, are queer or queer adjacent. Well, I can't wait to hear that seventy minute conversation with Cindy. Yeah, that's obviously yeah, I can't who you're. Wait to have that's, her on. that's yeah. obviously who you're talking. I about. felt like it just there was so much more to be said. I mean, so. Much much yeah. and you're here to say it and now we said and it and now we said it tell the people um where to follow you online you can follow me at evan ross Katz. this was magical i love talking to you i, love talking I feel to you. like it's just great it's like truly i just put my mic down and just stare into your beautiful face <laughs> and i'm like oh he's teaching me things and i love it see housewives bcc leon it's good to learn it's good to learn and then to grow yeah. guys um twitter at sarah galley instagram um at dame galley i may or may not post that um <laughs> Please, you you absolutely <laughs> maybe for the week's photo because i am in sweats and you're welcome for me having showered i'm gonna do the photo of me and dr deb so that's that'll be our um and you have to see my face it's like literally i've been to heaven and she is an angel and multicolored um guys hope you like this week's app let us know your thoughts and feels and we'll talk to you again soon Bye-bye. bye bye